Welcome to the Menlo Midweek Podcast, where we are getting some extra time with the speaker from last Sunday's message to go a little deeper, get some extra thoughts about the message, and get a behind-the-scenes look at their teaching process. We're your hosts, Mark and Jess. Thank you so much for joining us. This is Menlo Midweek. Well, welcome everybody to Menlo Midweek. Jessica here. I'm super excited and I'm also nervous because I'm in charge right now. Mark is on vacation. So our co-host today is the one and only Keith Riley. That's right. Say hello to your fans, Keith. Hello, fans. It's great to be back with you for the first time. Um, you know, I have full confidence in you, Jess. You've got Thank this. Thank you so much. You know, got My this. heart is pounding very fast right now. I don't know if you can hear it through the speakers. But not only do we have the special co-host, we have a special speaker, the one and only do you like to go by Scott now? I think everybody's always called you Scotty. No, Scotty is good. Okay, Scotty, Scotty Scruggs is here, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> if you've been here before in the past, I guess, uh, you might know Scotty. He helped run Sank. Mm-hmm. Why don't you say hi to all your fans? They've all been just emailing me all week long, yes. ready for this. I would like to address my six fans that are listening <laughs> right now. All six of you, I love you. I Does miss that include you. your two kids and your wife uh, and your there parents? There are three and then the two of you, and I'm, I'm hoping <laughs> yes. there's one more is what I I'm think there's really one saying. More there's there. one yeah. more. No, it's, it's a gift to be back. Uh, I served here for 15 years total, but um, from 05 to 2017 was kind of the 12-year block most recently, and uh, it's just an amazing church with amazing people, and God did some amazing stuff in my life when I was here. So there's just a ton of great memories, and uh, it's just been great to be back this weekend. So, and an honor to be with the two of you. Yes. I follow both of you online faithfully every day <laughs> and all you. of your you. uh, amazing wisdom, so this is going to be a treat to hear from you as well so yeah it's always good to have a fan in to listen to us some more so <laughs> really, really i'm your for one you to have that moment See? so that's, yeah. that's perfect yes yes it all works out <laughs> yeah nice well um our listeners may know you're up in seattle now yes. and you know seattle's a great place uh we can all say that it's a lovely place but i'm just thinking you probably miss the bay area a little bit so why don't you give us maybe like your top three things you miss the most about living in the bay area well, my quick answer is surfing, surfing, surfing. Oh, nice. Um, but I would go with, I miss the, you know, there's, there's a coast or there's beaches in Seattle on the mm. Puget Sound, but it's not the same thing mm-hmm. as like the crashing waves of the, uh, the coast here. So I miss that. I do miss being in the water surfing. Um, and then there's just, for me, because I went to college here, I would say I just miss the, when you've been in a place for 20 plus years, there's just, when you walk around, there's just so much history. And so we're making some new history. We're making some new memories and we love the Pacific Northwest. We love the Seattle area. Uh, But just being back in the turf here, I just miss being able to walk around. Gosh, I remember being 18 years years old and being at that restaurant or being, you know, that kind of stuff. So, um, and then the third one would be just people, the people that we loved and have known, you know, as a pastor, there's something about having people in your life that knew you before you were a pastor. Uh, they help you just kind of keep it real. They know you beyond those things. And so to be around people that have known me or us for 20, 30 years is, is awesome. So oh, That's great. Yeah. I, I know you took a dig at the Seahawks earlier. I was so it's probably good <laughs> I was to avoid that. that in the podcast because you do have to go back to them. I'm so. going yeah. to get some email about that because <laughs> even though I'm sure no one at my church listened this morning, someone will get that message back and I will take heat for it. But, it's okay. Okay. Um, I actually preached a message last fall in a Seahawks jersey, wow. Um, wow. which was a big like wow. a big moment. moment. Yeah, yeah, to try to wow. figure out yeah. I'm having this identity crisis. Like, what's that <laughs> yeah. mean? Yeah. And then they had a terrible year, so I just said I 
think I've jinxed it. I think mm. I'm the problem. Thank you so, so much for that. I probably yeah. shouldn't wear this anymore because. <laughs> well, as 49ers fans, yeah, I, I would say wear it every day. Keep, keep it going. Day, so keep it going. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. So um, we did just hire a pastor recently from Southern California who's on okay. our team who's an avid Niners fan. Okay. Okay. It's been okay. fun to see him. Yeah, wrestling. Just yeah, wrestling. just there's a there's a wrestling match going on. We're there, all so. called into interesting places in life, man. <laughs> and you yeah. got to learn to love your enemies. Yeah, whichever side you whichever may be side, on, yeah. you have to learn to love. So. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of loving your enemies, I guess that's a good segue. Yeah. Uh, you preached this week so great about toxic people. Why don't you give us a little summary, kind of about that? If you guys haven't listened, you can listen here on the podcast. Get on YouTube, check that out. Yeah. So uh, it was really interesting, and uh, for this message, it wouldn't normally be the kind of message I would give if I'm guest speaking somewhere, because it's kind of intense and it brings mm. up, you know, potentially difficult or painful kind of memories. And, uh, but Cheryl and I were talking and just thinking, you know, this is something that I've been thinking about and I've taught on recently that had to do with David's story, even though it's King Saul part of it. But the heart of it is really that at the end of the day, at some point in your life, you're going to be in a relationship with or connected to somebody who's beyond difficult or beyond hard to love. And toxic's a word that gets used a lot in our culture, and I think it gets kind of over-applied to mm -hmm. situations where it's like, yeah, you don't like that person, but they're not toxic. Or they hurt your feelings, doesn't make them toxic. Mm -hmm. But there are people, for whatever reasons, whose character or behavior has, uh, will poison a relationship in such a way that it becomes impossible to trust them or unsafe to be around them. And clearly the unsafe stuff, that's the hardest stuff. You know, didn't get to, into too many details in the message on that one, but um, you know, if you're in a situation like that, if you're listening right now, you need to get to a place where there's safety. You don't need to be close to somebody who's unsafe to be around. But mm -hmm. again, we've probably all been around people that uh, there's been that kind of a line. And I had read a lot about it in secular psychology and mm -hmm. things, you know, self-help kind of material, but I'd never really thought much about how the Bible speaks to it. And then I went back and I discovered this person that we've all heard about named King Saul. And mm -hmm. if you read his story, there is just moment after moment where you could literally just clinically diagnose like, wow, that's clinical narcissism mm -hmm. or that's, uh, you know, blame shifting or that whatever that is. Mm -hmm. And it's at the scale of which you could actually say, that's, that's pretty toxic. Yeah. And I kind of had that list of characteristics I won't go through now, but if you listen to it, where everything from jealousy, narcissism, blaming, escalating conflict, and he just checked those boxes over and over and over. And then someone like David, you get this picture of, these elements of, oh, with the boundaries or finding safe people or giving back grace, some of these principles about how to respond. And um, so that's kind of what it was about. Uh, there's a handful of behaviors that we do that are unhealthy that I talked about. One of those is just the ways in which we overlook it. Mm -hmm. And um, I've seen that a lot in people who maybe they come in and I've actually seen it the most with people in dating relationships where you know, they're with a person or they keep going back to a person. Mm -hmm. I'm like, it's clearly not healthy. Mm -hmm. They keep lying to you. They're not faithful to you. But there's this almost codependency happening there. Yeah. So there's almost a, an overlooking of it. Um, I see the enabling of it. It's a second kind of mistake we make. And that's, uh, you could see that a lot in family systems. There's a relative, there's a child-parent relationship where one or the other is enabling kind of a toxic pattern. And then lastly, and this is the noble thing we do where we try to change people. Mm. Yeah. And mm -hmm. gosh, it's a good intention. And you want to start there because if it's a difficult person, it might help. Yeah. Uh, but with someone who's toxic, again, they won't change because that's what makes them toxic. So what do you do in those moments? And then mm. again, those principles of setting boundaries for you, not them, because the boundaries are for you, setting boundaries about your involvement with them, um, uh, finding safe people, 
and then learning to give back grace, which is really a lifetime goal with people. Like, how do I actually give back grace uh, to people who deserve maybe something else? But if God's going to do a work in their heart, the best thing I can do would be someone that that shows them or points them to the kind of grace that God gives. So that was kind of the you know, the summary version. So Yeah, we'll go ahead and put a link in the show notes to menlo.church slash care. Tons of resources there if you guys yeah. need help with any of that. We'll also put our text in number if you just need someone to pray with. Text that number um, and we will connect with you. I just like love what you said, Scotty, as someone who is still single and dating. I'm like... <laughs> All of my friends were in therapy because these mm-hmm. are the exact, there's a lot of people out there that we're dealing with like this, that we, um, or maybe we're that person ourselves. And, you know, I have a friend who was in a on and off again relationship for 12 years mm-hmm. and he was totally toxic and all of those things that you listed. And it took so much therapy for her to get out of that. And so again, those resources will be there for you guys. Yes. And I think it's just so, you know, I think it's so easy to say, but so much harder to do. And as someone who hasn't ever, you know, been in any sort of abusive relationship, you know, I know there's so much more to that, but we are here for you and we want to pray for you and all of that. Um, so definitely reach out if you need anything. Yeah. Scotty, yeah. I was just wondering, as a preacher, you're always uh, cutting something on the on the floor, right? I think I saw you even scribbling some notes this morning before you got up. Uh, was there anything that you kind of wanted to say, but you were like, I don't know if I have space for this? Or was there anything that you just maybe want to toss out there now as an extra thought? I mean, I, I mean... <laughs> I think I wanted to list all the toxic people at Menlo that I <laughs> No. That's I'm actually what I wanted. So. I'm teasing. Uh, no such thing. You know, a couple of things come to mind. One is it's a subject where pretty much every two minutes I wanted to pause and say, hey, look, it's complicated. Mm. This is hard. Mm-hmm. And every situation is different. And of course, that would have made the sermon, which was already too long, even longer. Yeah. But that's really true. I mean, uh, the, as a pastor... And as a person who's been in relationships with people that have borderlined on toxic and then having stories where I would say people may have called some of my decisions kind of toxic mm-hmm. in my past, it's, you know, it's something where you just want to name every situation is different and they're all messy. Mm-hmm. And so while I want to walk through principles and try to give you some guidance, I don't want that to feel like, hey, if you just go home this week and do these three things, everything's going to feel better. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. just to kind of slow it down and pastorally say, and if you're listening right now and you're wondering, gosh, you know, is there a way to make it different this week? There may not be a way to make it different, th- different this week. But uh, I think that same idea of thinking about what do the boundaries look like for me or what safe people do I have? Another thing that came to mind is uh, when you think about safe people, I didn't kind of go into this, but really you don't just need them so that you feel better or you get like, you know, as a little bit of relief, you actually need to let them do some defining for you. Mm. And what I mean by that is that list of characteristics that I listed for Saul, if you're connected to that person, you won't be able to list that out. You'll be in it. Yep. And you'll mm-hmm. see all the, the fog of, yeah, well, they're not that bad. And I've seen this good quality. Like mm-hmm. someone else can come through and identify that. So part of the role of a safe person is the diagnosing mm-hmm. alongside mm-hmm. you. And part of what I would say is you want to allow them to come, along, come alongside and even say something like, hey, can you, can you tell me what you see? Like, I'm, my gut says this isn't perfect, or maybe not right, but I'm going to tell you about some stories or tell you about some behaviors. What do you think? And that's the safe person can say, you know, it's challenging, but they're a good person. You're a good person. You're working it out. It's kind of a difficult situation. Or they might say, yeah, it's not the best thing, but, you know, see, you know persevere or work it out or pray. Or they might say, 
it sounds kind of toxic. They might even say, I'm actually noticing more of these behaviors in you. And when you're around that person, you're a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Like you're less patient and you know, you get gossipy and you start to blame. And so to have a real open heart, it's not just I need a safe person, but I need to hear what the safe person has to say about my involvement with this person we're talking about. Yeah. Um, I think is a big, big deal. That's great. Yeah. And I was a uh pastor i had to learn along the way that it wasn't my job to try and fix everyone you know i I was always so your word in there to just say like it's not your job to try and and fix people when they're having any issues but especially when they're toxic i thought it was was just like a freeing wave that just came back over me of just being like yeah that's right that's not mine like we can leave that to jesus and i think it's one of the most uh difficult spiritual practices is to uh not give advice always, you know, yes. especially when you're oh in conversations. <laughs> uh, so I was just wondering, like, were there, uh, that's, I mean, that's a great spiritual practice. Are there other maybe like uh, things that you found in your life, rhythms or things that you've worked in that have helped you either way to not become more of a toxic person or to like be a safe place for people? Yeah. Well, I'll start with um, uh, self-awareness may be a great place to start mm. as, as we all journey through life to become more aware of what are my blind spots? Because blind spots, when they go unchecked, will eventually become character issues. So what are my blind spots that I have in my own life? Um, and, uh, and then what are my character issues? Mm-hmm. And of course, mm-hmm. if we're human beings, we all have those, at least potential to have those. Yeah. Uh, I know when I got married, it was interesting because it's like I felt like you know, I'd done a bunch of therapy. I'd worked hard at it. I must be in a great place. And then you <laughs> yeah. get close to someone and they can let you know, oh, you still have yeah. some room to grow <laughs> um, and some character stuff to work out. Yeah. And um, so safe people, close people, obviously they help you see yourself through mm-hmm. their eyes. So it helps you grow in that self-awareness. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing, and I don't know if I would call this a practice, but I would say it's an important discipline that our job isn't to fix people. Mm-hmm. It's also not really to diagnose people. Mm-hmm. And I think we live in a culture where it's easy to label people um, whether we jump onto social media to do that or with our mm-hmm. friends and just write, mm-hmm. so this person, they're just totally toxic. And that's why I started the way I did. Actually, a lot of times uh, we're hurt. Our feelings are hurt. We're disappointed. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't get along with someone. Doesn't make somebody toxic. Mm-hmm. And it's probably true that there's a lot more people that are called that that aren't. Mm-hmm. And there's a handful of people that are that, but they're not getting called out. Yeah, yeah. And so I think we have to be really wise and practice having a discerning and a slowing down spirit that says, it's not easy to diagnose people. And because I'm a human being, I'll often diagnose wrong. Um, so I want to be careful that I don't jump to that too quickly, label people too quickly. I want to be careful that, hey, I've got a good friend. They're dating somebody. They're with someone. I don't like what they're doing. They're toxic. Like, wait, slow down. Mm-hmm. Um, The other thing, and I mentioned this a little bit, but everybody's got a story. And I've found, um, and again, I'm not a therapist, so I don't do a lot of one-on-one counseling with people who are living through this. But what I would say is, and when I've seen toxic situations, even the worst ones, there's a place in your heart to have some compassion if you get to know that, if you know more about their story. Mm. There's almost always toxicity toxicity in their past somewhere, whether they were abused or Mm. The home they were in was a certain way. And it's, that's going to give you some perspective that says mm-hmm. I, it may, it's not okay what they're doing and there needs to be accountability for what they're doing. And you might, wanna, you might need to remove yourself from what they're doing. Mm-hmm. But that's part of that avenue back towards grace that says, you know, 
there's some reason why they're that way typically. Mm. Um, but I, I do think we're all quick to want to diagnose people and even label people. And what I didn't want to have with this sermon was, you know, a bunch of folks went out and like, okay, now you're toxic and you're toxic. <laughs> I'm going to label all the toxic people out yeah, there. Yeah. And, you know, that's kind of toxic, right? Yeah. That turns you into yeah. a blame shifting kind of person. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Um, so I think the practice of self-awareness mm-hmm. and really asking God for discernment if you're in the midst of it and then the right feedback from other people. Yeah. Um, and really having humility that says none of us are going to be in God's chair and can see mm-hmm. why King Saul was the way he was. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, the other interesting thing about the story I didn't get into was yeah. if you know David's story, he becomes kind of toxic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. A little bit. And yeah. that, that's part of why I ended with the point around, hey, let's start with, let's go back to the toxic stuff in us and what Jesus wants to do there because we can all actually become the toxic mm-hmm. person mm-hmm. if we're not careful. And David didn't set out to do that either. Yeah. But uh, he landed there. So I, I think there's a lot of humility on this road mm-hmm. versus just how do I get on my soapbox and feel above people and hand mm-hmm. out labels mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. about someone else's behavior and character that I'm really in no position to do, although I want to make sure I'm helping people set boundaries and get away from people that are being harmful to them. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I think understanding someone's story is always so powerful. And it's also, I feel like, such a fine line between giving them excuses and actually still having grace for them. And I love that you said that, like, you know, if you find out like, oh, their, you know, their mom was this way. And so that makes them that way. Okay, well, then I'll just let them keep doing what they're doing because they had a really hard childhood versus, man, that's that must have been really hard for them to have grown up in that kind of situation but that's hurting my life. And so I need to set boundaries and that right. kind of stuff. I think that's such, it's so easy to just use that as an excuse to just like let those people continue to do what they do and enable that. And right. I think that's a great way to, to call it out, like you said. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And to, and to really uh, connect the dots between the best way to love them is to, is to step out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've had several situations I won't get into now, but from my own past, even going back into high school and college mm-hmm. where I, I think, I don't know if I would call myself toxic, but I certainly wasn't helping the person I was close to or the person I was in a relationship with. And they're wanting to separate, break up. That was a good thing for me. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I battled it, it mm-hmm. hurt, but it, it really forced me back into dealing with me. Yep. Mm-hmm. And so in one sense, you're exactly right. You don't want to make excuses for it excuses are the unloving thing to do for them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, you can see that again in stories with parents who make excuses for their kids' toxic behavior because they love them. They won't, but it's like, it, it, there, are, there are moments where you have to draw a line and say, that's unacceptable. Yeah. I don't have to, I'm not in the judgment seat. I'm not putting out God's condemnation over that, but that's unacceptable and I don't have to play a part in it. Mm-hmm. And that, that is actually a way to show love. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I also wonder... You can both maybe answer this question. How does someone, I think there's some great tools that you kind of, you talked about. And sometimes, obviously, boundaries is huge. Mm -hmm. What about like, I don't know, a coworker or a boss? Like someone you can't cut out of your life because, Mm -hmm. or, you know, if, if you quit, sure. But if you don't have that luxury, what would be like any extra maybe tips or thoughts of like how to help someone in that kind of situation where, you know, it's still hard to leave family, but you can still kind of step out of that. It's hard to leave a relationship, but you mm-hmm. still can. But mm-hmm. when it's someone that's like constantly in your life, like a boss, mm-hmm. you know, 
any thoughts on that? Like what would be, I think the the tricks that you said are helpful, but I think to a certain extent, it's like, I can't avoid this person. Yeah. Yeah. You know, someone told, found me after the service and had a great line. They said something, I probably won't report it right or say it right, but it was, you know, God always calls us to love people. And if we have to love them from a safe distance. Hmm. And I would say as best as you're able in that, let's go, let's say it's an employment situation or a work situation, mm-hmm. um, how to keep that safe distance. Yeah. And I do think in a healthy organization, you can talk to a superior yeah. or an HR voice or a boss and say, you know, these dynamics are happening. Um, you know, I also recognize working in an organization and leading one, there's always fear of what if that doesn't go well, yeah. is there going to be a reprisal mm-hmm. against me? So I, I name that saying, um, it takes some courage mm-hmm. and there's potential consequences that aren't up to you. And so mm-hmm. I recognize that mm-hmm. can be kind of um, a risky decision to make. But then to back up and say, what does a safe distance look like? And does that mean that um, if it's a per- in the, in the person in the office, I'm always with other people if they're around. Mm-hmm. And if, they're, if it's me and them in a room, I will excuse myself. Even if I'm like, oh, I got to go to the restroom. Or yeah. my, I had a phone call or a, I have a Zoom mm-hmm. meeting coming up in five minutes. Mm-hmm. And it's not a fun discipline, but I make a discipline of saying, if I'm in the room with them, someone else is there. Mm-hmm. Um, at the very least, I'll never, I'll always have a ref- an objective reference point to, hey, did you hear that comment? And, mm-hmm. um, but the first step is always, I think, to ask, find out if there's help. Yeah, mm-hmm, and because mm-hmm. I, I otherwise you're just alone in it. Yeah. Um, but if help isn't an option, I would say to not feel isolated because it creates that sense of distance. I mean, certainly don't you know get pulled into if it's a superior who's like, well, you got to come in and do that. I mean, yeah. then you're going to have to look at is my mental emotional health or even just my you know safety at the office. Uh, you can't put that at risk. Uh, yeah. I say that pejoratively. Yeah, Please yeah, don't, yeah. if you're able, put that at risk over just an employment situation. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's just not worth it. Yeah, it's crazy. yeah. I, th- I think a lot of workplaces are getting better. I think uh, there's been an identification that toxic workplaces have been allowed to exist, and yeah. those two top things you say we overlook it and we enable it has gone on in workforces for a long time, and I feel like there's a better shift getting to where they're trying to weed that out in, in a lot of spaces, but. For sure, it's still a hard, hard thing because you're so much is tied into your employment, mm-hmm. and, and yeah. So yeah, it can be hard, but I think just having that courage to not overlook it, not enable it, and figure out how that looks in your own space. Yeah. So, so as you were preparing this message, was there anything that um, maybe you were having to kind of wrestle with and struggle with? I mean, you shared a little bit of a personal story from back yeah. in the day, but you know, I think it's always interesting to hear how preachers kind of as they're writing they're like oh maybe i should be listening to my own words <laughs> never, <laughs> you know, never, that never no happens. no no, no that never you know happens. i i spoke i gave a version of this message at our church uh this winter we're doing a series on relational health kind of stuff and mm-hmm. one of the things that i shared there that didn't need to apply here per se but was just i kind of went deeper into the the church dysfunction part mm-hmm. and just talked about people who've been part of toxic systems at churches and I, I've been living in an area There's a famous podcast now about a church that's in the, that was in the part of the world where I'm living <laughs> yep. and it's a real thing there. And it's a real thing for people. And so I talked a little bit about just my own story and just say, you know, in my role, I, I shouldn't be questioned less because of my role. I have to be questioned more. Um, and, uh, I actually, this year we put together kind of a senior pastor care team that's different than 
like our board of overseers or elders who are, they're in charge of, the elders are in charge of my performance. Mm. This team's in charge of my health. Mm. And uh, they're allowed to ask questions, speak into, my la- speak into my life, talk to my spouse, talk to Nina. Mm. Yeah. Um, and their job isn't to make, the elder's job is to make sure the, sure the church is in a better place when I leave. Yeah. Their job is to make sure I'm in a better place when I leave. Mm. And so just having some checks along that. So that's one thing that I, I would say I've thought a lot about. I mm-hmm. feel a great kind of weightiness around. Um, I think a lot about, you know, as I said today, no one sets out to be toxic and no mm-hmm. one thinks they are when they are. So am I? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so to make totally. sure you have people. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Um, I'm fortunate, very blessed to be married to a woman who will call me out quickly on things that are happening. And um, we had a great, co- this is a, uh, maybe not be an, a great illustration, but we had a great conversation even recently around she was identifying a behavior in me that felt Scott, Scotty, you're 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 presenting that more than you're living that, hmm. and not in a judgy way or like you're a fake person, but like I feel like you're rushing to make sure people are seeing you make a statement on something, and you're still working that out. Yeah, and just how's how's that going? Hmm. And in a loving way and a careful. So it's like, oh, you're right. So. Yeah. Um, I feel like that's a great voice for me. I certainly think a lot about, you know, again, in my own years, in my teens and 20s and even early 30s, where I think about the relationships I was in and some of the decisions I made and think, gosh, I wonder, you know, I wonder if someone would think these things about me and in what way. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, I don't believe uh, there was ever stories of like abuse or things that I feel like I would really have to repent in a different way of or would disqualify qualify me for what I'm doing. But I do think, um, you know, there's people that I feel like, gosh, I, mm-hmm. I wish I'd learned these things sooner. And I wish I could tell them in more real time, hey, I need to, this was, this was what I need to take responsibility for yeah. in our friendship or our relationship along the way. And um, it was so easy for me to blame you or, uh, you know, have a very self-absorbed view of our relationship or friendship. And so I think a lot about that. It's very humbling, again, when you're in a pastoral role or a teaching role, because, you know, I know going up there, I'm not here because I'm perfect. And I sometimes have to remind people, don't over-assign perfection to me because I'm up here. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And part of why I tell stories is to remind people of that. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, um, hopefully my dysfunction's enough in the got enough guardrails around it where, you know, it's not actively hurting people because then I would need to want to step away and do something else for a while. But um, it is something that leaders have to take a close look at. And, you know, Nina and I talk a lot about like, how are we doing? How are, she'll ask, how are you doing? Um, And uh, it's an important part of just that self-awareness, I think, to be in a role like this. So, but it's humbling. It's humbling to have to try to talk through these things when you know, I know, it's like, yep, um, I have treated someone really selfishly, mm. and I think I use that relationship as kind of a crutch, and I think, you know, things like that, and you're like, well, great. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I'm learned from it, and, uh, and have had to own it at times, and then, you know, you, you go back to the grace thing and say, and this is, again, why we want to often, I encourage people to say, you know, don't be too quick to put people on the cross for it. Not because they don't deserve it. They might. We all kind of do. But you, there'll be a moment where you do too. Mm-hmm. And um, you don't want to make excuses for it, like you said, but you also, 
um, want to find a way to say, how can God's grace be part of this moment? Because the world can't give that. Yeah. You know, organizations can have, we can have HR practices and cancel toxic people and maybe they deserve it, whatever. But the church has to come at it from a different angle mm-hmm. where it doesn't make excuses for it, but there is a God who's accounted for it. And what does that look like? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's great. Really sounds like, uh, especially on the leadership side of things, that the virtue of humility comes into play a lot mm-hmm. and kind of balancing out and not, yeah. not going to that talks again. You know, humility to have the awareness, humility to set up even you know, people to overlook you and, and help you in that. And, and uh, I think that's been a missing virtue in a lot of leadership church-wise and, and beyond recently. So it's yeah. nice to hear you kind of talk about that. Even. Yeah. Well, I, I, it's not very humble to be like, I'm so humble. And I'm, I'm not. That's why I said it for you. I'm That's why quite, I said it for you. I'm yeah. quite self-absorbed. <laughs> I <petty>. am. <laughs> and, um, but you, but I'll put it this way and think about this from your own probably life and your own leadership. I've never met a really humble leader who's toxic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Other, other flaws and blind yeah, spots, right. yeah. but never that one. And yeah. so I do think if your journey, if you're willing to go with God on a journey of humility, mm-hmm. And say at the end of the day, it, it isn't about me, and I have to really take that seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, that will be a great guardrail for most kinds of toxic patterns. Yeah. yeah. Um, unless someone's got like a diagnosable clinical issue, that will be a great guardrail right. for it. Right. So. Yeah. That's great. Well, as we wrap up, any lingering thoughts that you might have about the message or any words of wisdom you want to give to the Menlo Church people out there? listening. Oh, Menlo, I love you. Um, <laughs> I miss this place. I miss this congregation and the people in it. And I miss them. Uh, our church has a similar mission in a way, but miss the mission of this place. Mm. And um, I would say for all of you who have stuck around and kept your you know, hand to the plow and are believing and trusting and praying, way to go and stay after it. Um, I think a lot about the story of Daniel, different than I taught on, but the fact that you know, he was in Babylon for 60, 70, maybe 80 years, yeah. hand on the plow. Most of the stories no one ever saw or heard about. Mm-hmm. You know, he was in the lion's den when he was an old guy. So he had stuck around for a long time before that story that we all know about his life. So stick after it. Um, there are people like me who love you and pray for you. Mm-hmm. And it's a 150-year-old church. So yeah. there's a yeah. long road in front. And there's, this will be a memory that will get looked back on like, hey, remember when? That time when... Kind of messy, kind of hard, uh, but God has great plans in store for this place. And along the toxic thing, I would just say, if you're listening and uh, just hearing that word made you feel a little like, oh, there's something there for me Mm. or there's something in there for someone in my life, allow that little tension or that Mm. feeling or that conviction, just let let that be the Holy Spirit nudging you to a step. I don't know what the step is. You probably know more than I do based on where you're at in your life, but let that be the Holy Spirit nudging, nudging you to a step and make a commitment this week, like this week, to take a little step. Yeah. And again, if it's reaching out to the church or talking to a friend or just doing some self-reflection, because maybe you're hearing this and you're the person going, I think my boyfriend or girlfriend would call me toxic, mm-hmm. whatever it may be, mm-hmm. let that be a wake-up call to a little step. Because if every week you take a little step, a few months later, you're a long way down the road, yeah, and that can be a great thing. So, that's great. Thanks, Scotty. That's yeah. so good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Scotty. Really appreciate you being Thank here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, this was so fun. It's wonderful to see both of you in person because I've seen you in <laughs> virtual <laughs> environments, and you're both doing an amazing yeah. job. Oh, thank thanks. you. So, Thanks, thank Scotty. you. Yeah. Cool. All right, Thanks. we'll see you guys next week.
Except for me, bye. Okay, bye. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thanks so much for listening. And our hope is that this helps you connect deeper to Menlo Church throughout the week. We believe church doesn't just happen on Sundays. And this is just one of the ways you can connect with us and grow in your faith whenever and wherever you're listening. We'd love to come alongside you in prayer to encourage you or walk through anything that you're going through. All you have to do is text our online team at 650-600-0402. Thanks again for tuning in. This was Menlo Midweek.